I'm Leanne Dolan of the Satellite Sisters, and I wanted to let you know about an online skin-savvy resource for all your beauty product needs, naturalskinshop.com. I discovered naturalskinshop.com a couple of years ago when I was looking for a simple, straightforward, but high-quality skincare regime for a busy, chaotic mom. I needed something I could use every day that would really work. Naturalskinshop.com has medical-grade quality products. They are all cruelty-free, and they have fantastic customer service so you can get the products that work for you. My beauty expert, Ginger, set me up with a great cleanser, toner, moisturizer, daily glycolic, and a couple of extras that really make my skin glow. Seriously, my skin has never looked better. So I wanted to pass along the word about naturalskinshop.com. Get your skin in great shape for the winter season and beyond. Visit naturalskinshop.com today. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to go. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. So great to be here today. You have two generations of the Satellite Sisters here. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. My sister Julie Dolan is here from Dallas, Texas. I am happy to be with you, sisters, and so glad Catherine's with us. That's right. Our niece Catherine Dolan is here from Brooklyn, New York. Catherine, we're going to hear all about what you've been up to these days. Welcome back to Satellite Sisters. Thank you. It's great to be here. Hello from Brooklyn. Hello. And Liz is in Santa Monica, California. Hi, Lizzie. Hi. How you doing? Yeah, Catherine made her debut on Satellite Sisters <laughs> when you were here on vacation in my home in Santa Monica a few months ago, right? And we promised to have you back frequently. And so here you are. It's not, yeah. All of a sudden this week, we're like, this is the week to bring Catherine back. So All right. First, it. let me, though, we have a lot to cover on today's show. So just in case you're wondering, it's not just Catherine, all right? We didn't call Catherine because we were desperate. We called Catherine for a reason. You're going to hear about that. Julie, of course, had wrist surgery this week. She's going to tell us all about it. It's the 50th anniversary of the John F. Kennedy assassination. We have some thoughts on that. And as usual, we're going to talk about kale on Satellite Sisters. (laughs) So you have all that to look forward to on the show today. But we're going to start off with Catherine and why she's here. Go for it, Liz. So, so Catherine, you live in New York City. Obviously, we've established that. And uh, you're, very, you're very involved in digital media and marketing and all of that. But when you take your mind back to like a year ago when Sandy hit New York, Uh, you did a lot of very cool things we're going to talk about. But first, like, where were you and what was that experience like for you a year ago? So a year ago, I was living in a section of Brooklyn called Brooklyn Heights. Um, I am sort of by the river. I mean, I'm only three blocks away from the river, but Brooklyn Heights is definitely on high ground. Um, But there was a lot of sort of commotion leading up to the hurricane. Of course, nobody really knew how bad it was would be. And that was sort of one of the main things about all the um, disaster that did happen was that people really weren't prepared um, for the strength of the storm. But I ended up um, a couple days before, I think it was actually the night before um, the main storm was supposed to hit, I went to my boyfriend's apartment, which was further into Brooklyn, And there were five or six of us 
who then ended up staying there for about four days because we could not get anywhere. Um, we were very safe, very lucky. I don't even think we ever lost power um, just from the place that we were in Brooklyn. But of course, pretty much all of the surrounding areas were very, very affected. So what's amazing about this story for you, I mean, a lot of people were affected in a lot of ways. And Julie, I know your son lives in Brooklyn and he was affected and Sheila's daughter lives in Brooklyn and she was affected, right? Right. I mean, this, it's just, uh, it was such an unusual storm to hit, to hit New York and that, you know, that, uh, they, they, you know, people just weren't prepared for that kind of thing. So yes, they were, you know, they, they managed to be high and dry as well, but there was so much destruction around them and so much disruption of the subways, of the electricity, you know, so it was a mess. So, so Catherine, one of the many things we love about you is that there you were, you saw the devastation around you, you were okay, but instead of just sort of moving on with your life, you and your boyfriend Alex and another friend created this totally amazing social phenomenon called the Occupy Sandy Wedding Registry. And this was written about very quickly after it happened, you, there was a lot of buzz, a lot of support. And now a year later, I'm looking at the story that currently in Marie Claire about you and Alex and your third friend and about how much impact you had figuring out this totally new way to get stuff to the people who needed stuff. So can you tell us a little bit about like how the Occupy Sandy Wedding Registry came to be? Sure. So the... The sort of the short story of it is after the week really that we had been stuck in our neighborhood um, without any damage, we decided that there were a few places around us in Brooklyn where you could go to volunteer, um, either sort of bringing in clothes or helping to cook foods that that would then all the meals would go out to various affected neighborhoods. And we found um, a church near Alex's apartment where a group of people that were associated with Occupy Sandy, which was at the beginning a spinoff of Occupy Wall Street. And I think people were a little bit nervous about that. But we actually, we went to this church and realized that they were extremely organized. They were sort of pumping out hundreds and hundreds of hot meals every day. We probably made over a thousand peanut butter sandwiches the first day we were there. <laughs> they were like a nice. very, very pulled together group of people. And they had sort of cars driving out to the Rockaways and various places in Long Island every day. Um, and we realized sort of going through the very, the or orientation that they had there that they knew really exactly what supplies were needed, but they just couldn't get them quickly enough because they didn't have the volume. Um, and, and our friend John, he went up to sort of the organizer there or one of the organizers because with Occupy Sandy, no one really is in charge. That's right. One of the main, right. That's, that's one of the, one of the hallmarks of the whole Occupy brand, right? <laughs> right. Is that there's exactly. The boss. Yeah. So, so John had talked to someone who was really helping coordinate uh, the, the space from the church that was donated. And he asked, he asked if we could have people ship things there because John and Alex, they're both from Minnesota and they had, you know, family and friends calling them saying like, how can we help? What can we do? Um, and same, you know, with me and our, our college friends live all over the country or various family members. Um, and so we were kind of walking down the street, going to the grocery store to get more supplies for the hot meals. And as we were talking about it, Alex basically made an offhanded comment like, you know, they really need something like a wedding registry where we just put on a list of what 
what supplies are needed and people can ship them right to us and we'll distribute them because they already had the distribution methods in, pro in progress. So basically we, a couple hours you later. You just did that. You just, yeah. did, you just invented that. That's what you did. You just you decided did this is within our power and we're going to do it. Right. And so we out to you, Catherine. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we, um, it, I, it was a cre pretty crazy progression from then. I think this, we, this was started on the Saturday night uh, after the hurricane hit, so about five days later. And we sent it out to friends and family. We posted on Facebook. You know, we sort of made a joke out of the fact that it was a wedding registry. But, of course, the three of us. And we were all waiting for the big announcement from you <laughs> and Alex. <laughs> right. So you totally <laughs> snookered us into reading that email. Right, right, exactly. So, yeah, we had a little fun with that. But, of course, I mean, we really thought it was going to be friends and family and whoever wanted to help within our own social networks. And, honestly, we still are really not sure what happened. But by the time we all got up that next Sunday morning, I mean, we had, I think, two reporters had reached out to us about it. And we were seeing a lot of traction on Twitter. And we sort of... We were amazed. I mean, we really had just done it within our own social networks and somehow it got picked up. I mean, obviously there was a lot of buzz about the hurricane, but I think another thing that was happening was people really didn't think that help was coming quickly enough and that, you know, there are a lot of there are a lot of legal issues with, you know, delivering aid to people. And this was really just like a grassroots effort where Every day we were at this church, you know, loading supplies into cars that every hour were going out to affected areas. So we ended up, you know, there were, I think, 35,000 donations and it, it really, it picked up. I mean, this, this went on for weeks, basically through the end of last year. Um, unfortunately, it had to die down a little bit around the holidays just because most of the buzz had, had left, but it really was... It was very successful, and I mean, it was really successful mainly because so many people were willing to help, and I think people thought it was much more tangible to know and have a receipt on in their email that, oh, I sent batteries, they've right. been delivered, or right. I, had a, I right. had a blanket, and so... Yeah, yeah it, it was so doable. It, and in the end, I know it says in the Marie Claire story, which we'll post in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group, that you ended up getting $750,000 worth of stuff donated by people all over the country, which is just an amazing thing that you could think it up and get it done. And there are pictures um, with the Marie Claire story of what the church looks like with all of these like stacks of things that people sent and like all piles of diapers, diapers. <laughs> like yeah. really, diapers and batteries you got laptops you got generators uh, like that must be an incredibly satisfying feeling to have just thought something up and made it happen right it was I, I remember a, a few days after we had started it Alex and I both went back to work and I mean we we were pretty much not sleeping most of those next few weeks doing kind of the registry of course and all of the time after work but our our friend John he had actually moved to New York from Minnesota the week before the hurricane and oh. was looking for work <laughs> so he ended up spending all of his time at this church every single day he was there you know basically all of his waking hours and I remember one day after work I went straight to the church and I looked around and saw that it was completely packed and I, I started to get worried. I was thinking like, oh my gosh, we got way too much stuff. Like this, <laughs> this actually might be a negative thing. And he looked at me and he said like, 
you don't understand. We've loaded this church and then shipped everything out to the places like four times already today. We've had you know four four times oh as much God. stuff. Like you don't understand how big the need is. And it kind of hit me like, wow, you know, there are thousands of packages being delivered. I mean, there are so many, there were so many packages being delivered that UPS actually said, we will just bring everything directly from to, to this church and work from there because our warehouse is full of all your packages. We don't have any more room. Uh, that is so amazing. It's just, it's just amazing. So here it is a year later. I was watching the coverage of the New York City Marathon today. Did you, you're a New Yorker. Did you go out and watch the race at all? Did you see the people go by? You know, I actually didn't today. I, I, I was watching it a lot on television and I did actually have a few friends and coworkers who ran and most of them actually were. <laughs> so you couldn't be bothered. Year. You couldn't really <laughs> yeah. be bothered to get out of bed. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. No, I wasn't putting any more pressure on you, but you know, so this was a moment where like on ABC and ESPN covering the, the race, they sort of went back to a lot of the footage of like what New York and New Jersey and Connecticut were like right after the storm and you kind of, for those of us who are on the opposite side of the country you kind of forget how unbelievably terrible it was or that it was only a year ago and to cancel the marathon and have all of the need that you talk about i mean it's been an amazing year for new york and the whole area and i know everyone wants to talk about like how great it is for boston the boston blah 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 won the world series but i'm just gonna say <laughs> that to see that new york city marathon go off today you know when they had to cancel last year that for me was an amazing kind of a emotional moment and I'm sure like for a lot of people in the New York area even if they're not in that race or part of that event it sort of feels like New York is back baby right right I mean definitely and to think you know I think the coolest thing about the marathon is that it it goes in all of the boroughs you know that people are just running all over and I think this time last year every single borough was really struggling. And I, I remember the days leading up to it. It was, people felt very torn about canceling the marathon versus not. I mean, I think ultimately, I don't know how it would have gone off. Like there was just, there there weren't enough resources and the resources needed to be elsewhere. But it was a very emotional decision for a lot of people to um, to know that it was canceled last year. But I think this year, watching everyone do it and knowing that a lot of the people who had trained last year were actually, you know, succeeding and running it this year, it, it definitely was pretty amazing. And I think people have, you know, everyone's come a long way in the past year with their own apartments or office buildings that were affected, things like that. So it was a great right. day. And this, this story has a happy ending in more than one way. Another part of the happy ending is that a year later, you and Alex actually do have your own wedding registry. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're getting, that's you're marrying this guy. That's, that's true. It's yeah, it's now official. So <laughs> the publicity stunt now paid off, I guess. But. <laughs> your third friend, did he find a job? Did he ever find a job, Catherine? Yes, he, he has a job. He works for a great company doing like online research um, and loves it. It's, it is actually amazing. The three of us were together a couple of nights ago and just thinking about, I think this is now his third job within a year. And, you know, now he's really settled in. Alex and John have moved. Um, Alex has started a new job. We've gotten engaged. It's, you know, it's always amazing to think of all the things that have happened in the past year, but yeah, definitely, definitely a happy ending. I know 
also my my sister lives in Long Beach, Long Island, one of one of the most affected communities. I I would have to say from Sandy, and they just a few weeks ago reopened their big boardwalk, which is sort of you know the quintessential Long Beach, Long Island image is this boardwalk that spans really the whole city right on the beach, um, and. I think I think Megan would say, you know, they feel like Long Beach is back and it's been a very traumatic year there. You know, I, I was there in June and restaurants were still still closed and, you know, working on reopening. So it's definitely it's it's amazing to see the progress over the past year. And Catherine, well, the software, are, are you, it says, according to Marie Claire, you're developing the software, this platform into something called KindCart to kind of recreate this model. Is that true? Or did you just tell that to Marie Claire? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds, sounds excellent. it sounds like a good idea, but right. No, it, it, it sounds that actually, that's sort of the thing. It does sound like a great idea. And, um, <laughs> well, you're planning a think, wedding. I mean, come on. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, there's, there's a lot going on, but you know, Alex and John have actually really been working over the past few months on it. Um, in most of their free time and trying to trying to develop a platform that's not just for disaster relief, but sort of any nonprofit or small organization that needs things delivered to them, um, but doesn't just want to ask people for money because we've sort of realized that people, people like giving physical things or in-kind donations. There's a lot of, there's a lot of value there. So we're working on it. We'll, we'll see where it goes and we'll keep you posted on that. Fantastic. <laughs> right. I mean, that's the thing. You kind of solved the problem that oftentimes people send different stuff than what people need. You know, they send old clothes or they send canned food and then that's not actually what the people on the scene need in the moment. So it right. was just a perfect match of need and then the ability to answer that and feel totally satisfied. As someone who used the registry, it was very satisfying to just press send and know that something exactly what someone needed at the moment was going to find its way to them. Right. And and one of the amazing things was that we were updating the the registry almost every few hours. I mean, I was getting calls from sort of some of the people working with Occupy Sandy or from John at the church and like, okay, you know, we're at, we're we're good with these blankets. We have to change from children's socks to like adult socks or it started getting colder over the over the weeks that we were doing it. So we were adding on more thermal clothing or adding on certain generators, adding on laptops so people could fill out FEMA forms. So we were working at a very quick pace and it's it, it it's amazing to think like how how that would be sustainable for other for other companies because you don't you don't want to get too much of one thing. Then it actually right. becomes its own kind of second disaster, like just having too many things and not being able to organize them. But so, yeah, it was, it was definitely, definitely an amazing thing to work on. And I know a lot of the satellite sister, satellite sisters yes. out there donated, which is amazing. So thank you to everyone that helped with it. And we're all getting you generators for your wedding. I hope you <laughs> I I don't I, I call it if it's on the list. I'll Perfect. sign up for socks. That sounds like a good. <laughs> yeah, how many socks are you and Alex going to need for the rest of your lives? Because we can do that. We yeah, can get the whole satellite sisterhood to just take socks. <laughs> like, uh, well, well, fantastic work, Catherine. You're going to stick around for the whole show, right? And just be a satellite sister. Now sure, uh, yeah. You- actual breaking news you know, now, now you can relax and if you have any opinions on kale just jump right in great thanks 
<laughs> All right. But Julie had wrist surgery this week. Julie, people were thinking of you and praying for you and uh, wondering how you were. So how'd it go this week? I really appreciate that. And, you know, it's just 2013 is not my favorite year and <laughs> it's not it's not ending well. But I broke my wrist uh, nearly two weeks ago and then had to wait six days before I had surgery, uh, just I I fractured my distal radius. If you want to look that up, that's what and it, it's a bad break. Everybody said it was bad from Dr. Commando in the emergency room <laughs> to uh, to my new doctor, Dr. Frederick, who's my orthopedist. Uh, he, he said it was a bad break. But I felt like I was in good hands because I walked into Dr. Frederick, Bo Frederick's office in Dallas, Texas. Uh, it was the orthopedist. And I went down the hall and all down his hall, he had pictures uh, of professional bull riders, rodeo riders, bass <laughs> fishermen, hockey players. And he has put these people back together? He has put them back together. And Liz, if you didn't know that rodeo, you know, cowboys and bull riders, they have a lot of hand fractures. Okay, that's the... And apparently bass fishermen do too. I didn't realize that that is an occupational hazard, but apparently it is. And so he's one of the best and he, you know, he put me, he, you know, so he was my guy for surgery. As it would turn out, my international business husband had to go to Istanbul. And while he had been taking great care of me over the first six days, he could not be there for my surgery. Okay. And he felt badly, but my son, my oldest son, Nick, who lives here in Dallas, stepped in. And so he was in charge and he took me to the surgery. I had my time at, you know, one o'clock I had to be there. I had to sign in at 1130. And so I went in with my son. I, you know, I was nervous because I never had any surgery yeah. at all. So, but I went in and, you know, as anyone who's ever been to a hospital, you know, you have to fill out a lot of forms. You have to fill out your medical history. It seems like, I don't know, like 12 different times. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I had the day before I had spent hours with a nurse going over my medical history and she seemed to have put it all on the computer, but boom, the next day for in the surgical area, I had to do it again. So I had, we had the clipboard, we had the pen, but I broke my right wrist. So I could not fill out the form myself. <laughs> so, so this okay. meant my son, Nick had to help me. Okay. And we're doing okay in the beginning, you know, with my name, my age, address, <laughs> that's going pretty well. You know, um, I gave him a good number for my weight and height, you know, just threw in some numbers. Ballpark in it. Something believable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A credible number. I wanted to go with the credible number. Um, as in, and, and then, but then we started the medical history and, you know, and I'm doing pretty well. But then we get down to um, what I'll call gyno land and there's a whole series <laughs> Some questions. Okay, so the first question is, is there any chance that you could be pregnant? Oh! My son reads this question out, and he just shudders. I think the thought of his mother pregnant, it was just giving him the willies. And he didn't even ask for my answer. He just took the pen, and he wrote, N-O-P-N-O-P-N-O-P. I was like, Nick, that's not an answer. He said, that is the answer. Okay. Okay. So then, then there was, um, a, you know, so we have to answer that question, number of pregnancies, you know, blah, blah. I mean, it is, you know, it's a detailed thing. So we're going through. It seems the- unnecessary for wrist surgery, really, to go <laughs> below, to go below the waist for any reason. <laughs> Leanne, okay. 
But then we get to the questions about my menstrual cycle. I was oh. like, oh my gosh, I have to go through my menstrual cycle <laughs> with my third-year-old son. And there's like four different categories. There's like, and I the I couldn't even see what the words were because my eyes were blurring at this point. It's like I am talking about my menstrual cycle. <laughs> okay, and so but I see one word I know: menopause. I was like, menopause. Mark it down. <laughs> I just, I just not another word. Let's just to turn the page. I mean, I just was. You know, I'm sure well, Nick felt much worse about it than you did. Yes, we both, we, it was a mother-son bonding <laughs> moment that was just, we never, we never, ever, ever want to go there again. So that's, <laughs> uh, that is it. But I'm happy to say that I, I had the surgery uh, and, you know, so, you know, so far so good. I've got a cast on. I have to go back in another week and, you know, I'm going to get some other kind of cast, but they I put it in. <laughs> I don't, know that? I, don't know. I don't know who Somebody said just that. turned on their computer. Catherine, are you bored? Are you like <laughs> looking at other videos? <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I must have clicked on something. Ooh, <laughs> it's okay. I know. She's multitasking. She's a millennial. She can't help herself. Anyway, so uh, so I've got a titanium plate and pins in my in my wrist and uh so far so good. Um, and I, I hope I don't have to answer any more embarrassing oh, questions with my son. So, uh, so Julie, okay. how how long is it going to take? What's your recovery well, like? It's that's not good. It was a again a bad break. That's what they kept saying. So it's at least six weeks. It may be eight weeks, but I don't know if they're counting from the moment of the accident or the moment of the surgery. I think I'll know more. Um, when I go talk to do, uh, Dr. Fredericks again, but I, I believe that I'm going to be a high achieving uh, patient. That's what I'm, that's what I'm going for. Really. And I'm, I'm doing all the exercises. I'm keeping everything elevated. So, um, uh, so, so that's, that's my story. So just, we just got to hope that it's shorter rather than longer. All right. Are the exercises like squeezing the rubber ball, that kind of thing? Not or yet. not up to that yet. Oh, not just moving my fingers, moving my fingers a lot. So, um, no. so, so that's what I, that's what I've got going. So, um, but so far so good. Okay. Well, everyone, you could see on the Facebook group I that I, the satellite sisterhood feels your pain. So I, that's, I, that, I that's important. It. I really do. Hey, I wanted to mention one of the big news events of the year, uh, of the week, sorry, um, besides the Sandy anniversary. Obviously, here in Los Angeles, we had that major shooting at LAX, which was just awful. And, you know, I I appreciate the fact, I can't tell you how many of you, my sisters, and listeners, like, emailed me, texted me, asked me, like, I hope you're not at LAX today. Are you okay? So I appreciate the fact that people know I spend a lot of time in that airport, but it was just a terrifying, I was not there. I was safely in my office, Um, but it's that terrifying kind of event that you kind of, that I fear most of all, because when I'm on a plane, I actually don't worry about what's happening, but Mm -hmm. there's something about being in an airport. I just feel like airports are really dangerous places where anything could happen and you have no idea who all these people are and what their intentions are. So it was, uh, I just thought it was awful to think that this guy could come in and target the people who are there most of all trying to keep us safe. Right. You know, it's just, yeah. just awful. So, but and that, that one like, person could create such chaos. 
right, one person right. could create, you know, not only tragically kill somebody, but then create 48 hours of complete chaos at a major, uh, major yeah. airport. No, it was just, yeah, it was a stunning sort of shocking event. Yeah. And I don't know how we ever protect ourselves against that because one person who is willing to die in the process can always do that. Right. Right. They're always going to be able to do that. But anyway, so that night when I got home from work, I was watching a lot of the live coverage and the, I got to say, it was one time when the local LA channels were like doing a very good job and kind of ahead of the curve versus the national news. But at one point I was watching CNN to see what, uh, what information they had that like KCAL nine didn't have. And I'm watching the coverage of the news, but then, yeah, I've complained before about the CNN crawl and the sort of ridiculous items that show up on the crawl. So here we are. We have, you know, this awful case where the TSA agent has been murdered. We don't know what has happened to other people there. On the crawl that night, there was a lot of time spent on this breaking news story that Kraft had announced the redesign of their mac and cheese. So you're, seeing, so you're seeing like mac and cheese on the crawl and just this awful huge thing on the actual news. And you're thinking like, can't we just focus? Can't we occasionally turn off the crawl? Can't we turn off? Why can't we turn off the crawl anymore? I, I don't know. It's like I want to put black tape along the bottom of my TV sometimes. So that like our crazy see. parents did. Yes. <laughs> don't do it. Hey, Catherine, you probably don't even remember news before there was a crawl on the bottom, do you? I thought everything was just a constant crawl. No, I mean, before September 11th, there wasn't a crawl. No, there was no crawl. That's there, when it started. Yeah, we, we used to actually get like one thing at a time. Yeah. It's just mind-blowing to imagine that that was the new standard. <laughs> but it was sort of like, we're going to tell you this. And then when we're done telling you about this, we're going to tell you that. And uh, yeah, Liam's right. So yeah, it was, it was right September after 9 11 yeah. that the crawl started. And so, of course, originally the crawl was all about additional news related to terrorist attack that you needed to know. But that somehow the further away we get from that event, the more random the elements in the crawl get. And the other night it was redesign of Kraft Mac and Cheese. <laughs> So um, there you have it. I don't know that it gets any lower than that. I just wanted to speak out again against the crawl. Clearly, no one is paying attention to me. Yes. If you look at all, <laughs> you should write. You should start some campaign, or you should hire Catherine to start, to organize <laughs> a campaign for you to address these issues with CNN. I think you yes. should go. Please, please. It's just like there's a reason people don't know anything anymore, and it's because we're trying to tell them too much at the same time. Does that make me sound like a fuddy-duddy, Catherine? Yeah. Can you take it? Can you take in all this information at the same time? No, I, I I actually agree with you on that one because now I'm thinking, oh, what was the redesign? But really, that's not important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why are they messing with the classic? <laughs> right. What, what the, was the problem? Did they learn anything from Coke? Why would they do that? <laughs> Apparently, the fact that everything in it was artificial, like not really Mac and not really cheese, uh, they just decided that they would address that. So okay. it's, <laughs> all right. it was, you know, good for them. I'm glad they did it. We'll all be healthier in the end if that's your food choice. But uh, I just didn't need to see both of those things at the same time. Anyway, carry on. I'm, I'm done with my rant. Well, we're going to go to Julie now because there's a new story list that I've suddenly paid, started to pay attention to, and that is the assassination of JFK. 
I have. You're just hearing. I well, I knew about it, but you know, I wasn't alive then, uh, and and I just never really paid that much attention to the facts surrounding that particular event. Very quickly, we were swept up into Watergate, and that's I I excelled at Watergate trivia. But Julie yeah. uh, Dallas, I understand, doing a lot there around the 50th anniversary of the assassination of John Kennedy. Yeah, it's very interesting. The 50th anniversary coming up later this month in November. But the city of Dallas in particular has really tried to address it in, a, you know, in a very interesting way. They're, they have a lot of um, events and they have speakers. They're going to be doing a large forum to talk about, you know, the impact on Dallas. Because you talk to people who, have, you know, who grew up in Dallas, they'll tell you that after the assassination, there was an, a, an incredible collective shame about living in Dallas. Really? Because, oh, yes. You know, and Leanne, people did not want to move their companies here. People didn't want to visit here. Uh, you can talk to people. They said they didn't want to invest in downtown Dallas because of the assassination and because of the, the, you know, just the terrible guilt that the whole city felt that the president of the United States should be assassinated here. So, no, it, for a long, it really set the city back. You know, people say 10, 15 years after the assassination you didn't see the kind of development that you saw in other cities, such as Houston or other regional cities. Hmm. Uh, so, it, so it is a major event. This is the first time that the city of Dallas has tried to, you know, address it. And there have been, you know, so many fascinating stories that you've seen in the news. You know, new books are coming out about right. it. But the Dallas Morning News has been running a series of interesting um, profiles with people that were there that day um, of the assassination. And this past Saturday, they um, profiled Jerry Smith. Now, you, that name may sound familiar to Satellite sister, sister listeners because Jerry and her daughter, Allison Smith, have been on Satellite Sisters. Jerry is the daughter of uh, Stanley Marcus, one of the co-owners, co-founders of the very famous Neiman Marcus um, department store. And Jerry and her daughter, Allison, did a beautiful photography book um, of you know pictures that Stanley Marcus had collected over a lifetime. And so this portrait um, in the Dallas Morning News, and you can go online and read the whole thing, or see other stories, Jerry Smith and her and her husband, they were young marrieds at the time. Catherine, they were your age. Um, and um, they um, they were invited to the luncheon um, to hear JFK speak. He was in the motorcade. He was heading to the trademark to give a, a luncheon um, that day um, of the assassination. Um, Jerry's father, Stanley Marcus, could not be in Dallas that day. And so, you know, he had his daughter and, uh, and, and her husband go in, you know, go, go in his place. And, um, you know, it's just, there's some interesting tidbits. I had never realized that the assassination was on Friday and at this luncheon, because it was Texas, they were planning to serve steak because, you know, it's Texas, but because, um, the Kennedys were Catholic and in those days, Catholics could not eat meat on Friday. That the Kennedys got special dispensation from somebody, from a you know, from the cardinal, from the pope, so that they could eat the Texas steak. That was already in place. And uh, well, you know, I mean, it's a small detail, but it's something that you know, you just these are the kind of things that are coming out um, as they look back uh, um, over fifty years. 
But this story was about Jerry sitting there in the lunchroom. There were about 2,500 people waiting to hear JFK speak and how he never came. Oh. How oh. even though, even though like, you know, he, the luncheon was supposed to start at like, you know, I don't know, at 1230, even at one o'clock, they're sitting in this ballroom. This is pre-cell phones, Catherine, pre, you know, Twitter, text. So these people, even though Kennedy is dead, they have no information about this. No one has come into the ballroom to tell them that Kennedy has been shot. And then finally, about one o'clock, um, they, you know, they do announce to this crowd of 2,500 people that something terrible has happened uh, and that, you know, that Kennedy, is, uh, Kennedy has been shot and that Jerry recalls in here just, you know, the press that were waiting in that room just rushing out of there but also sort of the incredible shock and bewilderment of everybody that had been waiting to hear the president speak. Um, she also goes on to say that her father, Stanley Marcus, later went to President Lyndon B. Johnson. And Stanley Marcus and Lyndon Johnson were friends. Uh, they're Texans. And Texans, they were yeah, yeah. And, and he went to, he went to uh, Lyndon Johnson to find, to get a copy of the speech that JFK was supposed to give that day oh, wow. in that lunchroom. And he and another Texan, um, he obtained the speech and they printed, they printed out the speech. And that is at SMU library in Dallas that you can see the speech of uh, that, that he was planning to give that day. And they, they have like the quote just from the last two paragraphs of the speech. And it's so it's so important to remember that when Kennedy came to Dallas, there was a lot of animosity towards him. You know, there was, you know, in the Dallas Morning News the day before there had been, you know, a, somebody had taken out this big ad and had put these terrible, hateful things about JFK in. But there were also people that really liked JFK. And so he was coming in to give this speech to talk about, you know, having you know, put, you know, putting aside the animosity and sort of building bridges. And he wrote at just at the end, you know, 50 years later in a speech that he never gave, JFK wrote, we ask, therefore, that we may be worthy of our power and our responsibility, that we may exercise our strength with wisdom and restraint, and that we may achieve in our time and for all time the ancient vision of peace on earth and goodwill towards men. This must always be our goal and the righteousness of our cause must always underlie our strength. For as was written long ago, except the Lord, keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. Oh, wow. Isn't so it no. is. So you think you've heard everything about, you know, the assassination. Yeah. Of Jay, and yet, you know, they're doing just excellent coverage of the you know, Dallas Morning News. And and I think it's going to be very interesting. Some of the open forums are going to do about this death and what it meant to the city of Dallas. Right, right. Well, you know, I mean, I, I work on the National Geographic channel, and so National Geographic, among many, many channels, is doing various documentaries and docudramas about the 50th anniversary. And so there, tomorrow night, I'm going to be at the premiere, <clears throat> Nat Geo, um did a drama called Killing Kennedy, where Rob Lowe was playing Jack Kennedy and Jennifer Goodwin is, um, is Jackie Kennedy. So 
I haven't seen it yet, but people say it's super emotional because a lot of the story they go into is actually the Oswald story. So the because they just decided that people, you know, what people know about the Kennedy assassination, they know about the Kennedy side of it. But who was Oswald really? Where did he come from? How did those two men come to meet in history at that exact moment? That's a lot of what Killing Kennedy is about. So it's... Um, if you if you want to tune in on that geo, I've heard I've heard it's really good. But here's one thing I would say about it: the it's based on the book that was written by Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly, so, yeah, yeah. So you know, it won't. This is not the first time we'll ever say out loud. I don't really disagree with it. But it's you know, I when I was visiting you one time in Dallas, Julie, and we went to Dealey Plaza, yeah, and we stood there and we looked around, and you're in the book depository. It was. I am not a conspiracy theorist at all. And I have a tendency to like put down people that think things are like way more complicated than they really are. Sometimes it is just a lone gunman, like this guy at LAX the other day. Sometimes that's all it is. One crazy person. But there was something about standing in Dealey Plaza where I came away from that experience thinking that is not true. That is not what happened here. I don't know if you if you had that feeling, but I just like when you're in that window and thinking about like what happened that day, it just I came away thinking, no, I don't believe that that's actually what happened here. Yeah, and just I've heard a couple of interesting interviews this week with various writers, various books out about, you know, the Warren Commission report that Earl Warren, I guess, was just very good friends with the Kennedys. He considered Jack Kennedy a son, and he was highly emotional about even writing the report. So the whole report was done in like four weeks by real underlings and rushed through just to get it over with. And, you know, how did Jack Ruby get – again, Liz, I have not spent two minutes thinking about the Kennedy assassination. <laughs> I, I Because as you history. want to remind us, you were not born yet. But it's just all of a sudden I started paying attention. I'm like, yeah, this none of these facts really add up to like one guy who just happened happened to shoot him yeah. and then get shot by Jack Ruby. I mean, that was so yeah, I hope the truth does come out. I, I don't know I don't yeah, know if it's I, gonna come out on your T V show, but I hope it comes out. Well I kinda of believe that it hasn't come out yet. Yeah, me know. too. But I'm not all the way at the Oliver Stone end of the spectrum, you know, where like the crazy theories about all the plots and the Cubans and the CIA. I don't know if that's what it is either. But it I I do remain unconvinced that we know the facts about that event. I will just leave it there. Okay. So moving on. <laughs> moving on. Moving on. And now to our kale roundup. Every show we like to talk uh, about Catherine, kale. you may not know that we do a weekly <laughs> kale report now. Were you aware of this? I, I know oh. you're a frequent listener, but we have this obsession now with kale. Yes, I, I am. I am very aware. I, I love uh, Julie's opinions. I'm actually, I was pretty surprised by um, how strongly you dislike kale, yeah. but I can appreciate it. But I'm glad to hear you're you're an anti kale person. That's good. That's good. That's well, she didn't say that, Julie. Yeah. She said she was surprised how anti kale you are. Well, it's hard to be. It's a hard position to be in Brooklyn, uh, New York, because I think that's all you're able to eat in Brooklyn is kale. Yeah. You know, so, I, I have to. I have to admit, I had kale for lunch. 
<laughs> yeah, Julie, I've been thinking about you nonstop because I, I get an organic vegetable box once a week. It's a fundraiser for my children's school, so it makes it easy. I just pick it up, but I never know what's in the box. And all the food is grown locally, and a portion goes back to my son's school. Another portion goes back to an inner city school. So I feel all good about getting the organic box. But the last couple of weeks, I have gotten so much kale in that box. Like, it is <laughs> like it must be... A, overwhelmingly the season and the crop must be in and coming in good because it has been nonstop kale at our house. Even my husband who's enjoying it's like, really? Are we having kale salad for breakfast? Because I actually took it out yesterday. Like, we got to finish this kale salad up. I got some more kale to use from that organic box. (laughs) Well, I want to bring it up today only because I was doing my grocery shopping this morning and I went to what is now like the kale aisle in... um, (laughs) Exactly. This is pavilions. It is. I. I, So I take your point. It's just kale and Greek yogurt now. Those are uh, pretty much the whole grocery store is now arranged around those two items because Greek yogurt has taken over the entire, you know, dairy Dairy aisle. Yeah. 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 So I'm in the kale section, and uh, there is. You're right, Leah. It must be this season because I just noticed there is a lot more kale. (laughs) A lot of kale. There's just like rows and rows of kale, and. because I am a marketeer, I also noticed that now there's a lot of branding around the kale. So you can get like, you get the raw kale that's just like not bagged or branded, but then there are like five different repackaged kale salads or raw kale or this or that and various sub-brands and brands. And I'm like, wow, there's somebody has really decided there's a lot of money in this kale thing. If everybody's trying to create their kale brand. So I picked up what looked like the most basic bag of kale I could get. And cause I just need the kale. I don't need, there's a, I just want the kale. And, but I don't want to have to clean or chop too much of it myself. So I just made the choice that way that appeared to be that bag of clean kale and I pull it off and the branding on this bag I don't know why I find this so funny but it said that the kale came from Safeway Farms (laughs) (laughs) and I just thought there can't possibly be such a place as Safeway Farms that is that a place like, like, I know that they're trying to, like, show that they're providing, you know, I was in a pavilions, which is part of Safeway, and I support Safeway. I've had a lot of good customer experiences over the years with various forms of Safeway, but Safeway Farms seem to be, like, a little bit of a stretch for their brand. I don't know why, but I'm just imagining, like, what Safeway Farms would actually look like. And it doesn't seem that appealing. It's like if you're in your Brooklyn farmer's market, Catherine, if you saw a booth that said Safeway Farms, would you, yeah. <laughs> would you be buying your vegetables there? I suspect not. Stop and shop meadows. <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't seem as local as I might like it. Right. To be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Most of these organic brands, they have names like, Erwan, you know, some (laughs) fictional, (laughs) fantastical place, right? Erwan sounds like a place where kale grows and runs free, right? (laughs) So you would buy something labeled Erwan. But Safeway Farms, I say, nice try, people. I get what you're going for, but I'm not sure that's the way to really land it. So just just a little free marketing advice from me. It's a bit, you know, it's a big warehouse near LAX. Right. (laughs) Exactly. The farm. A a distribution center, Julie. Distribution center. (laughs) 
So um, we have, we've gotten a lot of kill comments on the Facebook group, but there were a bunch of other things in our social media world that I wanted to just review this week. Um, first of all, Tammy. Tammy, Tammy, Tammy. If you haven't seen the Jib Jab uh, video, the Let's Do the Time Warp Satellite Sisters Happy Halloween video that Tammy posted there, you have to go see it. I laugh every time I play it. So it's, I mean, we've seen these Jib Jab things in the past, but Tammy, I had never seen this Halloween Let's Do the Time Warp one. So all five of us are in it. Julie, have you watched it? Hilarious. We look so good in it, too. That's just so very. It's very um, appealing to watch. Yeah. Well, speak for yourself, because I'm a man in a bow tie. So I, I objected to the one comment. I was like, everyone is perfectly cast. I'm like, really? Because like Liz is wearing a Playboy bunny outfit, and I'm a man in a bow tie. And I really, <laughs> I really understand. Okay. But I would say that, that the whole the Tammy's jib jab was more flattering in general than Jill's comment. I posted the picture of Julie in front of her, in front of your uh, front lawn inflatable, your Halloween inflatable. And Jill thinks you look exactly like Doris Curran's Goodwin, Julie. I was just curious, like, how, how does that make you feel? Good, good or bad? Uh, I, I appreciate, um, I appreciate that she was thinking of me and all of that, but I would have to be her, the much, much younger, prettier <laughs> sister, don't you think? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I appreciated she thought, thought we were, uh, that I'm as smart as Doris. Which yes. Yeah. Kind of a yeah. stretch. But, um, but I don't know. I don't, we, we have, our hair color is similar. That's, that's, uh, that's what I would say. Okay. <laughs> what do you okay. think? You, do you think I look like Doris Kearns Goodwin? I do not. But I can see why Jill, looking at that particular photo, might have seen some Doris <laughs> around the edges. But you were just a lot younger and cooler than Doris Kearns Goodwin. I just have to say that. Who, I, you know, we again, has been on Satellite Sisters. Yeah. An excellent person. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So... But no, but no, that's not you. Okay, moving on. Carol posted a comment saying she was a little behind on the podcast, but just heard the one, the Tuesday show that you guys did on Fisher Cats, which is still like haunting our dreams, the audio that Julie played Fisher Cats. So if you haven't listened to that, that was a couple of weeks ago. So Carol wrote, we just moved to Massachusetts a couple of years ago, and we've heard those horrible cries in the middle of the night. One night, my husband bolted out of bed and ran to my son's room. He thought it was my son screaming. Luckily, I caught him by tripping him at our bedroom door. <laughs> they, they are nocturnal, the Fisher cats. So try to stay inside after midnight. Their screams do sound like a young child. One more reason to move back to the South. Carol, Carol <laughs> I know those Fisher cats. They, that's what they try to do. They try to lure you out into the woods with that screaming sound. And that's, uh, you know, animals, small pets, big pets. You know, that's that's a problem. Okay, here was a, here was another post that I wanted to share. When I, Julie, I filled in for you on Tuesday on the Tuesday show because that Tuesday was your surgery, and uh, I put out a moral dilemma that I wasn't sure what to do about traveling with the holidays with Ferris because I've never taken him on a plane. I want to go to Ben Thanksgiving or Christmas, but 
checking him as cargo, I just, I don't know if I can bring myself to do that. And he's too big to actually take into the cabin. So I put this out there as a question for all of you. I wanted your point of view. I got a lot of opinions. Thank you so much. Luann, Darlene, Nan, Allison, Lori. There are lots of people with a strong point of view on this. The most interesting, which I'm really thinking about, is Christine's. She wanted me to know, first of all, there's a pet-only airline um, called Pet Airways, not surprisingly. (laughs) But they do not yet go to Bend, Oregon, which is also not surprising, Christine. Mm. Thank you. I'll hold on to that. But here's what she really wanted me to know. She said, the other option, of course, is for you to get your pilot certificate and start flying general aviation. (laughs) Then then Ferris can sit right up front with you. And it goes on. I'm the chief flight instructor for the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association Air Safety Institute and a satellite sister listener. I'd be happy to get you info on learning to fly if you are interested. (laughs) Okay, Christine. I can actually... Liz, I can actually see you as a pilot. I really, th- I think you should do it. I think it's a great challenge. Uh, uh, go for it, sister. I, I, Christine, I actually tried this once and took a real lesson when I was living in Oregon because I was very interested in learning how to fly a plane. And here's ultimately why I decided not to pursue my pilot license is I realized a key part, a key thing the pilot has to do is actually check the plane like we did the whole inspection before we started flying you're going around you're checking the flaps you're checking the oil like whatever it is all like you're doing the inspection of the actual piece of equipment that is the airplane and i thought i'd never do that (laughs) i would never (laughs) that's right Right. i just would never check the plane i would just get in and go fly and if like I understand why, particularly because you, it says Pilots Association Air Safety Institute in your title, Christine. I understand why air safety is important. I just think I would be terrible at air safety. I agree, I Liz. Be- I agree. <laughs> I've seen how you keep your car, and exactly right. the plane would be old books thrown in the back yeah. seat. Yeah. Does I anybody's just- battery go dead more than Liz's? No. I mean. <laughs> Aren't you always on empty in terms yes. of gas? Yeah. You know, it's I now that Leon warned me that you should have gas in your car all the time in case there's an earthquake. I've been very conscious of that. But anyway, Christine, excellent suggestion. If I could figure out a way to have someone else be responsible for the plane, I'm happy to actually fly it. So moving on. I just one last thing in our social report. Monica posted um a hilarious sort of archival satellite sisters halloween picture so Catherine, i don't know if you saw the picture of your father in his halloween costume dressed as a bullfighter did you see that on- I, I sure did i was really hoping you were going to bring this up <laughs> okay i just wanted to know the, the emotional impact it had on you you've lived in spain did you know your father had roots as a toreador i had no idea and the funniest thing is that when i studied abroad in spain a very common sort of like tourist souvenir is they have these big posters like a real a, a large poster that has a picture of a matador on it and you can input someone's name so it you know it looks like an old like vintagey poster but you actually in black ink right in the person's name so i had this poster made for my dad like that said papa dolan and it's this big matador poster like <laughs> announcing that he was the one you know performing in this 
in this bullfight. And I was like, wow, dad, I really never knew that, you know, you had a history with this. And <laughs> he actually, I was, I was home in Connecticut on Friday night. And the first thing I saw when I walked in, he had printed out the photo, which of course he's not on Facebook. So my sister had sent it to him. <laughs> he, had, he had printed out the photo and he, he was saying like, I have these haunting memories of how much I hated that costume. <laughs> You know, and Dick also wrote like the worst Halloween costume of my life. I hated that right, costume. Right. It's funny. They really, they really did not like what they looked, looked like, but yeah, but you got all credit to mom. She just like, she didn't really care what they wanted to wear. They had, I think, I think our parents had like been to Spain that year and those boys were going to be matadors no matter what. So, uh, but then, so then the three, the, there are four sisters in the picture also, Julie, me, Sheila, and Monica, and each of us, well, Julie, you look pretty good. We I have, have very cute. Pretty egregious costume. <laughs> yes. Yes. But, but the front row is really, <laughs> the front row of that picture is really, there's some things happening there. <laughs> But I was trying to guess how old we were. I'm guessing we we are like two, three, and four in that picture, I think, or three, four, and five. We can't possibly be any older than that, right? Right. That's exactly right. Yes. But it does foreshadow what you have turned out to be, don't you think, in some ways? No. You know? How do you mean? I, I don't know, Liz. I'll let you draw your own conclusions. <laughs> I just, I, Leanne, I, this is what I posted on the page. I assumed when you looked at that you were just very happy that you were not born yet. You know, uh, Liz, I, I, that is true in many ways. But remember, at least you have photos of your childhood. So <laughs> I don't actually have a single photo of me in any Halloween costume. <laughs> so that's what comes from being number eight of eight. Oh, there well. you go. <laughs> and it's a question. Would you like to trade the humiliation we feel? Or for the neglect that you feel? Which which way do you want to go? Humiliation or neglect? Yeah. Going to take the fifth. Just saying. At least you have photos. <sighs> <laughs> All right. We do need to wrap up here. Um, but I just want to remind people that the podcast awards are going on. We'd like to thank people who have voted already. Satellite Sisters has been nominated in two categories. People's Choice. Yeah. And General. Uh, to vote, you go to podcastawards.com. You'll have to check our boxes. And while you're there, check the uh, box for the history chicks under education. And then you have to write in your name and your email. Then they send you a verification email to that email address. The podcast awards people will send you a verify email. And several people have found them in their spam folders. So it is a two-step process to vote. I know that's a pain in the neck, but apparently some of the gaming podcasters were rigging the system. So um, so for those of you who are, are voting, it's a two-step process. You vote and then you verify. And uh, that's how it works. And you can vote every day till November 15th. We appreciate your support. It would be great. Um, great to have a shot at either general or, um, or people's choice. Yeah, mm -hmm. let's go for the people's choice. Catherine, you can get your people on this too. We're competing right. against we're competing against Taylor Swift, so we're going to need some <laughs> some, some next generation. We we need a Not search. We need a search, a tech search. Catherine, can you can you organize that for us? I I, I will. Work. I'll get Occupy Wall Street on that. So. <laughs> okay. Just remember, they have to verify their email address. You know, it's... vote and verify. Vote and verify. <laughs> 
two-step process. All right, sisters, Catherine, thank you so much for being on. It was fun to talk to you today. Thank you guys so much for having me. Oh, our pleasure. And Julie, Julie and I will be back on Tuesdays. And uh, Liz, have a great week at work. Thank you. Thank you. And don't forget, call your satellite sister.